Hello everyone and welcome to Just the Facts Commissar. Today is July 24th, 2023 in a big weekend of Warhammer tournaments just wrapped up. Uh, my name is Christopher Bakken and I have a great episode in store for you today. Uh, this is the second one that we've recorded and uh, we're going to talk about a couple of big events that happened over this last weekend, specifically the Lone Star Open in Texas and the Palm Springs GT. Um, those are the two largest events of the weekend. There were also some smaller tournaments across the pond, um, but I'm going to focus mostly on the two big events. And then I'm going to hit up the stats going into the week and coming out of the week. Um, I will say there's going to be a little bit of variance there because I'm getting them from two different sources. Meta Monday uh, does a stat compilation every Monday, but he... Um, his parameters for the stats he includes is a little different than Warhammer stats. So, but we'll, we'll get a general picture of what factions look like and what the meta kind of looks like going in and, and coming out of this weekend. Um, both, both, both sources are great, but it just goes to show that, you know, statistics are not everything. And uh, there can, there can definitely be some variance depending on how you look at the data. So yeah, in addition to that, we'll, we'll look over the armies of the top performers We'll go over the stats, and we're also going to talk about uh, the top two finish at the Lone Star Open. One of the players was playing one of the worst performing armies in the game right now and managed to take a top two, so that garnered a lot of attention. But once everybody started kind of looking into his list, they realized something wasn't adding up, and there's some cheating accusations going around. Um, you could tell by the list construction, and then in addition to that, I had some people comment on the, my Reddit post talking about the event from the weekend that uh, played against this player and confirmed that things were not adding up. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're playing Warhammer 40K, um, it's a little hard to point out to the judges when somebody is cheating sometimes because people make mistakes. There's a zillion rules. You give people the benefit of the doubt. Hey, you know, this actually does this, or I forgot to do this. And it it can it gets complicated. If you play Warhammer, you know that everybody makes mistakes every game, pretty much, from the biggest professional to 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 the newest player. And there's a lot of grace involved, especially when when you haven't done anything of note yet and you realize something. But what I'm saying is, is people who are smart can can take advantage of that and actually cheat. And and it's hard to prove to the judges to actually pull them out. But this specific person uh, apparently has been banned in the past for, for cheating. And then you have first-hand accounts. So it sounds, sounds pretty legit. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, last week, uh, my episode was about the Tacoma GT. Um, you can look at the links on my podcast page to find uh, lists from that event. And you can also find my Reddit post recapping that event or just listen to the podcast where there's an interview with the winner, Steve Trimble, who played Custodes. And since that event, there has been uh, no errata. There's been no changes that I'm aware of or anything like that in the meta. So going into this week, we're, we're going to have some pretty similar uh, armies going in and nothing major being changed. So I think it kind of gives players a chance to kind of figure things out, maybe make less 
you know, well-performing armies better or take these armies that are already overperforming and, and do even better with them as you kind of work out the kinks in your army because everybody's going to do that because um, of how new this edition is. So uh, with no balance changes that I'm aware of, I, I think it's going to be a, a good week and a good episode. So that's enough of the recap and the intro. Uh, let's get into this week. The Lone Star Open uh, was over the weekend. Uh, it was Saturday and Sunday, six rounds total in Allen, Texas, 214 gamers showed up. Um, looked like a pretty awesome event to me. So first place, uh, let's get into the top 10 real quick. First place, we had Eldari, uh, Ben Jurek, uh, took it all. Uh, second place, we had a Tau player. Um, I was really excited when I first saw this, and then I learned that this person has a history of cheating and was possibly cheating at this tournament as well. So um, that's a huge bummer. And third place was Eric Tad on the Gene Steelers. I have an interview with him later on in this episode after I get done with this uh, overview of this. Uh, it's a great interview uh, about the Gene Steelers. He is, um, Eric is uh, an OG Gene Steeler player, been playing him since the release. He's not just meta chasing. And uh, not that it matters if you're into that, um, but he uh, he has been a, the top Gene Steeler player in the IC, ITC two times, uh, so he really knows his stuff. It was a great conversation talking with him. Awesome dude. Fourth place, Robert Moreland on Astro Militarum. Uh, this one was exciting. I love this list. I love that he came in fourth place. He ended the first day in first place, but you know he got knocked down a couple pegs by the end of the second day. Tried to get in touch with him to do an interview, and I uh, unfortunately couldn't. But um, his list looks awesome. We'll, we'll go over it. Uh, fifth place, Robert Hawkins on Gene Steelers. Sixth place, we got our first Imperial Knights. Um, seventh place, we had our Chaos Space Marines. I think Chaos Space Marines did really good in this, uh, in this tournament. Um, unfortunately, two of them uh, went 5-1 and one rather than 6-0 and oh because of uh, running into that Tau player. And there's allegations that he cheated during those specific matches. So I think, you know, it's it's hard to say that, but potentially there could have been almost three um, Chaos Space Marines in the top 10, which would have been pretty awesome. So yeah, Russell Tassin uh, came in seventh, but he, he was a contender for first place, if I'm not mistaken, because um, he played the first place Eldari in the last round. Um, and ended up losing. It was a great, it was a crazy game. It's on, it's, it's on stream on War Games Live. I, I recommend watching it. The way that these guys play is pretty awesome. And uh, unfortunately, Russell made a, a pretty fatal mistake in the end that it probably cost him the game. But it happens. So um, essentially, he he could resurrect his Terminators. And when you resurrect them, they have to be within two inches of the unit that you're resurrecting from. So you gain two inches. And um, he forgot to do it, um, and he had already done an advance, I believe, and he wanted to undo the advance and resurrect, but then the Aldari player he was playing said no because he had too much information that the advance wasn't enough to get the charge off or, or something something along those lines. But basically, you know, Chaos player said, hey, can I, can I do this? And the Aldari player said, no, you have too much information, and uh, I don't think it's fair for you to do that, which... I understand. I get it. Um, I, I don't. I personally don't think that Russell was doing anything nefarious. Um, I, I as a player, would have let him do it. 
but that being said, like it's completely reasonable for the guy who who didn't allow it for him to do that. It's just it it, it was totally reasonable. So um, n- not a knock on him for not allowing it. At the end of the day, Russell should have remembered to do it. So um, eighth place, another Gene Steelers. Ninth place, another Gene Steelers. Tenth place, another Imperial Knight. And I'll go a little bit farther just because we get into some interesting armies when you get into the top 15 so 11th we have another chaos space marine player 12th we had a world's eater a world eaters 13th another chaos player 14th and another aldari and 15th we had chaos knights so um you could tell the top of the meta is being dominated by gene sealers um and aldari they're just they are the top and so are imperial knights but um you know i don't think They've fallen out of favor. They're just not necessarily as strong as those two, those two armies. So let's just get it out of the way. Let's talk about this Tau. Let's talk about... Let's, let's, let's hit the rumor mill. Um, and let's, let's figure out what's going on here. So, um, William Ablez played Tau. His um, army is the following. He had a Cadre Fireblade. Um, he had the Enhancement of Exemplar of the Kayun. I probably said that wrong. K-A-U-Y-O-N. Kion. Uh, anyway. Commander Shadow Sun. Uh, nope. Just Guardian Drone on him. Firesight team. And a Long Strike. His battle line was a Breacher team. A Strike team. And then he had a Devilfish. A Broadside Battle Suit. A Ghost Keel Battle Suit. Some Crute Hounds. A Crutox Rider, a Piranha, a Piranha, a Riptide, some Stealth Battle Suits, Sunshark Bomber, and Tetris. So that was his list, and he took second with it. Um, his matchups were the following. Let's go to them rows real quick. So he played against, in the first round... He played some Space Marine Dark Angels. Whooped them. They suck. Um, sorry to be rude about it, but just Marines aren't very good right now. He played uh, an Astra Militarum in the second round. In the third round, he played some Chaos Space Marines. Fourth round, he played some Custodes. Uh, fifth round, he played Chaos Space Marines again. And sixth round, he played Imperial Knights. And I believe that Imperial Knights was the one who came in sixth place. So, you know, if he was doing something unfair, then he knocked some players out of the top 10 and five, which is, uh, that's pretty terrible. So yeah, I posted this on Reddit and, um, and I posted my review on Reddit and people were immediately like, yo, this guy cheated. And, um, I was like, oh, snap, I, you know, because I was writing up a review of this tower army because I thought, of, dude, this is awesome. He took this army that's getting like 30% win rate and he took second place. Like this dude's figuring it out. You know, people are overreacting about the meta, like give him time. Everyone's saying, if you know this guy, he cheated. And I'm trying to find out how does he cheat. Here we go. On the Lone Star Open Tau player. Was, um, the Tau player was using incorrect rules for Tau that allowed him to have a lone operative apply lethal hits to his units. Despite that rule, only works if the model leading the unit has the ability. Firesight marksmen are not able to lead units, or at least his wasn't. In addition, first-hand report 
firsthand reports from people that G2 who played him inform me that his ghost kills had too much movement. He was having for the greater good guiding rerolls ones to hit, ones to hit in addition to the other buffs, something that only comes from Shadow Sun or Commander in a Crisis suit uh, leading a Crisis unit. And his strike teams had more ballistic skill than they should have. And he had scout, uh, scout moves on his Riptides and Ghost Kill. None of these are in the Tau Index rules or data cards. Um, someone else said that he had two Missile Pods. Uh, or two SMS. I don't know what that stands for. Missile Pods on things that can only get one each. There, that's what it is. So doubling his Missile Pods. Yeah, so you fudge little things here, little things there. Put a ability on a model that doesn't get it add an extra missile here where it's not supposed to be, but these little tiny things adds on. I don't know all the rules for every army. Like, I can't keep track of all that. i got to keep track of my own army. So that's how these people get away with cheating. Um, yeah, so just, you know, it starts to add up, these little things that, you know, you think you can get away with, and it just becomes a huge problem. Um, and that's a bummer. So, you know, always tell your tournament organizer, your judges, if somebody's doing that, but... Um, sometimes there's just not much you could do, but uh, enough about that. Let's, let's move on to something more interesting. Let's talk about, uh, you know, our win rates from the weekend. Um, I'm just going to go off of, uh, Warhammer stats right now. Um, their 10th edition win rate. So after the weekend, it looks like gene stealers and Aldari are at a 67% win ratio, a little higher for true win rate, which excludes mirror matchups chaos space marines came in third with 50 uh, 56% imperial knights 56% custodies 54% tyranids 52% they came up uh thousand suns 51% chaos demons 50% world eaters 50% black templar 48% necrons 48% chaos knights 47% space wolves 46% uh let's see Gladius Task Force, 46%. Death Watch, 45%. Blood Angels had a, a little spike of 67%. It looks like they managed to win two out of their six games or something like that. Six out of nine or something. Looks anomalous to me. Uh, Space Marines, all in the 40s. Tau, 43. Uh, definitely that second place win bumped those numbers up. Orcs, 41%. Votan, 38 Sisters 35, Admech 34, Dark Angels 34, um, Grey Knights 33, Death Guard 31, and Drukari 31. So um, most of the game is just not doing well right now. Um, and I think that this data shows that you know it's time for Games Workshop to kind of bump up some of the other armies, maybe make them a little bit stronger because uh, they're underperforming so much. All right, nonetheless, though, we, we do have a winner of the Lone Star Open, and they are getting a ticket to the Warhammer World Tournament, uh, World Championship. So let's, let's go through Ben's, uh, Ben's jury journey here as, on the Eldari um, to his first place win. So um, in round one, Ben played against uh, some chaos, and he outscored him 100-25. to 25. He won pretty handily. Um, and going into this weekend, uh, not, not including the games from this weekend, Eldari had fought against Chaos Demons 128 times and won 72%. So his opponent here ended 181 out of 210. So um, probably a little bit of a skill and experience difference there. But 
that's that's round one for you. And round two, he played against uh, Gene Steelers. He outscored them uh, 96 to 47. Um, Aldari and Gene Steelers met 166 times so far in 10th edition and only won 41% of the game. So Gene Steelers, um, you're going to hear in the interview later, uh, they kind of whoop up on the Aldari. It's not a favorable, favorable matchup for Aldari. Um, so it's impressive here that Ben pulled it out with a win, especially almost double the points. And uh, his opponent took 29th place here. Um, in round three, he played against a thousand Suns. Uh, ben outscored Thousand Suns 168. Uh, Aldari and uh, Thousand Suns met 264 times so far, and um, Aldari won 56% of those games. In round four, Ben played against Gene Steelers again. He outscored them 75 to 38. Um, another unfavorable matchup for him, but he came out on top. And his opponent here was Robert, and Robert came in fifth place. And in round five, Ben played against Robert Moreland's Astro Militarum, who were in first place from the first day. He outscored him 94 to 85. Aldari and Guard have played 134 times against each other and won 74%. So Aldari whoop up on the guard there. Super favorable matchup for Ben. Finally, uh, Ben played Russell Tassin, uh, his Chaos Space Marines, in round six. He outscored him 88 to 81. Crazy game, super close. Um, they've met 218 times so far, the Aldari and Chaos Space Marines. Aldari winning 47% of those games. And uh, Russell ended in seventh place. This, this one was streamed on War Games Live. I would watch it if you play either Army or are just interested. It was um, an, one of the best 10th edition games I've watched. It was incredible. Uh, Nailbiter. So I don't, I don't think that Ben necessarily had an easy walk to first place, especially considering uh, that he played Gene Steelers, who, who kind of beat the Eldari a lot um, twice. And so I think it really showcases that he knows what's up. He knows what he's doing. Um, he is playing a strong army. I do think that Eldari will get nerfed. That being said, you know, in order to play at this high level, you have to be good at the game, and Ben, ben clearly is. So... For those who don't know how the Eldari work, um, there are army-wide abilities called Strands of Fate. In the beginning of the game, they roll 12 dice, and they could put them aside in a pool. And then once per phase, they can use those one of those 12 dice. They're called Fate Dice for a roll instead of rolling. So uh, it could be used for hit, wound, damage, save, advance, charge, and battle shock. So, for example, you need to get on to a point. you got to make a 7-inch charge. You don't want to put it up to fate. You don't want to roll 2d6 and hope for the 7. You use a, a fate dice. You make one of them a 6. Now you automatically succeed. Um, it's a great ability. At the start of the game, you can continue to re-roll all 12. But when you do that, you lose 1. So let's say you roll 12 dice. You get 12 ones. And you're like, I don't want 12 ones. And you re-roll. Well, you can, now you get 11. So then you roll 11 sixes in your set. <laughs> um, Ben took a, an enhancement on his Eldari called um, Fate's Messenger. He put it on the Death Jester, and it allowed him to auto take a um, a six on a hit for on a hit wound or save once per turn. Pair, <laughs> pair that up with your Fate dice. You're you're getting what you want there. Um, and then uh, Death Jester had Lone Operative, which means you can't just pick it off the board. Uh, with some random shooting. you got to actually focus to get this thing down. So his another enhancement was the Phoenix Gem on the Farseer Skyrunner. And it means it reses on a 2-up when you uh, kill it. 
and then this model makes it so a fate dice it makes a fate dice a six once per turn so you have a one well now it's a six once per turn and as, as long as a unit is within range and that is an amazing ability um i'm gonna totally mispronounce this the uh it's the y-n-c-a-r-n-e yakarn or yakarne is a super cool model i love the fluff with this one it can pop up wherever a unit is destroyed so it's a constant threat I, I i would hide this unit somewhere where it can't be shot or seen and then the second something dies as long as it's a you know gonna be in my favor they pop that model up and then and then fight and uh, it's got a good it's got a good fighting profile and i would just use it to hold points until the perfect opportunity came up um he had three fire prisms, and they could reroll a hit and a wound uh, once per turn. So you have foresight, um, and then you got the reroll hit and wound once per turn. So you got a lot of rerolls uh, on your hit and wounds, and then you got your your um, fate dice as well. And then he had war walkers and warp spiders, kind of controlling the the board, giving him some some models to flood the board with a little bit. And then last but not least is Wraith Knight, which is Wraith Knight is this massive threat over the entire board. Big damage, big toughness, rerolls. You can use your fate dice on it. I mean, it does massive, massive damage. So with with all the rerolling and the fate dice, there's just the consistency that the Eldari have right now is is the it's it's unparalleled. Nobody can match it. If you find an opportunity to take something off the board, you're you're gonna get it, so um, it's just what makes this army so strong. It, it fits their it fits their lore, you know. They're like seeing the future or whatever, but um, you know, it's it's a little strong right now, I think. And um, I, I I honestly couldn't imagine playing against them before they changed fate dice when you could use all of them. Now it's only one per phase, so that must have been completely completely psychotic. Um, all that being said and how good the army is Ben Ben played really well and you could totally see that come through when uh in the stream on the war the war games live against the chaos space marines so and he beat two gene stealer players so definitely worth checking out definitely don't want to take away from from him and and how good he is by saying uh, you know oh he just played a good army no he's he's good at the game so uh great job Ben uh I think your army looks awesome and and, and it was really cool to watch so yeah, and I'll, I'll just, this podcast is running a little long, so we're going to go into one more thing, and that's going to be my interview with Eric Tad. He came in third place here with the Gene Steeler Colts. He has a lot of great insight um, and is one of the top uh, Gene Steelers in the world. He has been twice in the past. I'm sure he's competing for it again. He's, uh, my interview with him was a lot of fun. So uh, let's jump into that right now. All right, Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Nice to be here. Yeah, so you were at the uh, Lone Star Open, and you were playing uh, Gene Steelers, is that right? Yep, I've been okay. playing them since they came out. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. what, what what edition was that? Uh, uh, like late 7th? Late 7th, yeah. yeah. Um, I was like, late 7th or early 8th, I couldn't remember. Uh, wh- what Where did you end up placing in, in the Lone Star Open? I got third overall, and then I actually won, I think they were going to give me best overall, and then I couldn't win two awards, so they actually just gave me uh, third best general. Nice. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I can't stack up all the awards. Um, <clears throat> well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. So Gene Steeler is actually like one of the, I've, I don't think I've ever played against Gene Steelers. So I'm like, I, 
pretty clueless on how this army works. So I'm really glad that you're here and, yeah, no and talking with me, but the, the event looked, looked, looked awesome. So, um, tell me about like, how, how'd you get into Warhammer and, and, uh, what made you start competing? Like, are you, are you primarily playing to compete, like play competitively or, or are you still do it as a hobby as well? Yeah. So I guess how I got into Warhammer, uh, I got into Warhammer when I was, I want to say in eighth grade, I went to the mall and there was this place called games workshop in the mall. And at that age, I thought, oh, Games Workshop, it's kind of like a GameStop. So I walked in there thinking video games and stuff, and it wasn't. It was Warhammer. And then they got me into an intro game, and then I was like, Mom, can I have this? And so she bought it for me, and then pretty much been playing it ever since. Uh, one Only one person from my high school played it, and so we would hang out like every other weekend because I lived out in the middle of nowhere growing up. And so we would play, and then every couple of mo- like every two or three months, we'd go out get some more Warhammer guys, go back to his place, play with the new Warhammer guys. And I've been playing ever since third edition. <laughs> that's so. a great, that's a great story. I, I remember being probably around the same age, seventh or eighth grade and going to the game store in, in my hotel, which was called triple G. And, uh, I walked in with my best friend who played chaos, uh, space Marines. And, uh, I watched him play Warhammer and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Um, but I just oh, never yeah. bought it until I was older. <laughs> yeah, it's really expensive. And luckily, my parents would buy me like, you know, one thing every time I went to the mall. So it was like a treat. And that was like my one treat for being good or doing well at home or at school or whatever. So they'd buy me one thing every time we'd go. Slowly build up my collection. Yep. And then I went to college and I stopped playing. And then I moved down to Texas after I graduated. And I was just driving around and I saw a games workshop store and I was telling person i was driving with i was like hey uh i used to do that and they were, they convinced me to go in there and go check it out so i did and i was like man i really miss this hobby because i really didn't have a hobby at the time fresh out of college because everything i did in college uh wasn't really much of hobby stuff and then i started up and i've been always competitive in everything i do like video games and competitive uh any like all my hobbies have always been competitive uh so that was my immediate draw is to get into the competitive 40k scene and luckily, Texas has a pretty good competitive scene. And so I started meeting people and getting better. I remember my first GT, I just like, I think I went like one in five, one in four or whatever. Could barely win any games at RTTs and then eventually started getting better and better and better. Uh, and so I've just been trying to get as best as I can. And also uh, recently I've been trying to up my hobby progress and trying to get, you know, high paint scores as well. So I want to get on both sides of the spectrum of the, the hobby. Nice. So, yeah. That's some serious love for the hobby there. And it, it's so funny. You say what exactly what you said is exactly how I describe myself when it comes to like any hobby or video game I play. And like, I, I've never been like, Hey, let's just play quick play. Like, no, I want to get into the ranked game. Yep. I, I want to play the competitive. Let's just help. I, I, so I just feel like it's more real of what the game is when you're doing that. Like, if I ever played, like, a competitive game, like, if I went to play ranked League of Legends, um, it's much different, usually, than if you played, like, a non-ranked game, because people are just messing around. And so you don't get the experience in terms of gameplay. Maybe not, obviously, people get way more angry and stuff. But I think that's why, I like, Warhammer is because you don't have a team to rely on or get mad at you if you mess up. You just have yourself. Uh, obviously when you play competitive like teams you can but usually everyone in 40k is much more accepting and happy with each other rather than like calling people out so you don't have to really worry about that too much yeah and and i found in in my limited 
competitive experience with Warhammer so far. Like salt is a thing, you know, but yeah. um, it's the, the barrier, the internet barrier isn't there. So you're, you're interacting in person. So typically people are much, much, much cooler as oh, opposed yeah. to like getting super, super mega toxic. Not that that never happens, but um, yeah, it's, that's something I appreciate is you can, you can have, cause that's one of my least favorite things about competitive gameplay, especially online is like, people will get upset and I like to think I'm a pretty chill dude. And I just like to, I like to play, I like to compete and I like to try, but I also yeah. don't like to, to rage or anything like that. And, so. and make friends, right? You know, exactly. You make enemies yeah. where you feel like you're always making enemies, both on your team and the enemy team at all times. And you're like, yeah. this isn't fun. No, I exactly. I'm the polar opposite. I love like competing with, with people I know and, and building bonds that way. That's my favorite. <laughs> Cooperative oh, yeah. competition is my absolute yep. favorite. So then you get to see him at the next event and you know each other and you go say hi and you can talk about how your tournament's gone and yeah, keep on making friends. It's awesome. The, the scene, the, the Warhammer competitive scene is really cool like that. So, um, so, uh, how many big like Warhammer competitions have you gone to and what, and it could just be a ballpark number. It doesn't have to be exact. And what, what was your best and favorite win? Um, like, Win as in in a game or win as in overall? Um, both. If okay. If, yeah. Um, so I used to go to so Texas has its own circuit, um, and so there used to be about five or six GTs slash majors every single year, and you just go it'd be like two in Houston, two in Dallas, one in Austin, one in San Antonio, one in El Paso, and so you'd like do the circuit every year in Texas, and you try to go all of them, and um. Over the years, some have gotten bigger, some have gone down. Um, I think Houston now is like four GTs in it. That's where I live is is in Houston, so I, I go to like three or four majors every year just in my hometown. Wow. Um, and then Dallas has two. I'm about to go up to another one next week or in three weeks, so I'll be going to that one. Um, I don't really go to the El Paso one. I think they actually stopped that one, but so I'd probably go to about eight or nine a, a year only. Um, it's it's hit or miss based on like when I had my uh, son like two years ago, I didn't go to many that year. And then uh, when he turned one, like I went to a couple more cause he's a little bit older. It was easier to take care of while he's gone. So it kind of like fluctuates based on, you know, uh, home life as well. Uh, luckily there's also an RTT every single weekend in Houston. So you get a lot of practice if you want. And that's usually what I'll do to practice is I'll just go to an RTT and uh, try stuff out there. Um, as for my, f and then obviously I go to LVO every year. Uh, that's the thing I look forward to um, most every year, mostly just like, cause I get to see people I've never seen before. And like once a year I get to see these people. So some of the people I know from like Britain come over and I see them once a year, I get to say hi and all the other people I see. Uh, my biggest win, hmm, I think, I think my first, my the first time I ever went undefeated at a GT was probably my my favorite like overall tournament. Um, I actually really loved the list I was playing. Of uh, was obviously Gene Sealer Cult. I think it was an eighth edition. Um, it was non like meta list, I think, and I really liked it because it was very like toolboxy, and so it had like one of this, one of this, one of this. It wasn't very spammy. And I really liked that style where like I have a bunch of different tools and I get to use those tools in different ways in every matchup. And so when I was able to go undefeated at that, it was also my first time I ever went undefeated. And uh, Gene Sealer Cult wasn't really as much of a overpowering army as it is currently. So it felt way more um, like I accomplished something, I feel like. So that was probably my my first time I ever felt really good about like a, an overall tournament win. 
Yeah, that's um, awesome. Well, going undefeated in there, that's that's pretty sick. And then I love winning with off meta stuff. That's my that's awesome. Yeah. So that that's gotta feel good. Um so at the uh Lone Star Open, you came in third overall. Yes. Um so so far in tenth edition, like how 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 are you feeling about the Gene Sealer Colt? Uh, in this edition so far do you think there's anything that's like too weak or just doesn't feel right it needs to be tweaked do you think like oh, there's man. anything that's too strong and I then like you. how would you fix that like what what, what would your be, what would be your solution if you're god for a day to sure. fix it how, how, how much time you got on that one I can <laughs> for hours but I'll, yeah i i've always been a component of i've said this to plenty of other people so if any of those people listen they're going to hear a broken record but I always like the idea of GSC being more of a bunch of idiots running around, and then the heroes are what makes them good, if that makes sense. So, yeah. like, this isn't obviously all playtests or balance. It's just, like, throwing stuff at the wall so you understand what I'm saying. But, like, maybe all of your neophytes have Ballistic Skill 5 or Ballistic Skill 6, like, something really low. But if there's a Keller Morph in your army, then everyone has plus one Ballistic Skill. So it's based off of a single character giving a, a army-wide buff, and they're pretty expensive. Um, and you can only have one of each, obviously, at, at, at this point, too. Because I was thinking about all this stuff uh, before 10th edition came out. And so I, I really wanted the army to more work around, like, I have these epic heroes, and the heroes are kind of what defines the army, rather than the other stuff that defines the army. And then as you kill the heroes, like, the army slowly lose power. Um, I think if I was God, I would, for a day, to, like, do anything, I'd probably try to make it more like that. But working within the confines of what we have now, um, yeah, I, I agree with everyone that the army is pretty busted. Uh, I think if you wanted to do a easy fix, um, it would just be simply just to make it so every character can only be taken once again, like that did before. Um, a lot of people think that it's the respawn mechanic that's really strong in Gene Sealer Cult. It is powerful, but I don't think that's the reason we're winning. I think the reason why everyone's winning is because we hit you so hard, it you don't have an ability to fight back afterwards. And then the respawn mechanic is just like that extra like noose around the neck after we've already gotten you down. Um, there's the game I played on stream and I brought in 10 acolytes with the primus. It's what 160 points for the acolytes, 70 points for the primus. And I killed like a 500 point custodes unit in one shot with uh, one CP. So it's, it, it hits so hard above it's, it's like points value that even if he killed and it came back, like who cares that I have that unit back? I just spent 160 points plus a character to kill 500 points. So I already made the huge trade. Um, and so that's, I think that's the issue. And so if and you can even look at it in lists, like everyone's taking three primuses because primuses are busted. People are taking sab multiple saboteurs. People are taking multiple nexuses. Um, so those are all just like really strong. And I feel like instead of nerfing the cost, um, it'd just be to say, bring one of each. And then... What? What Sorry. about the, yeah, no, that's okay. What, what about the Primus specifically is, is so strong. I, I, you have three on your list, so yeah. um, you, you like that one, but so what, what is it that makes it so strong? Uh, so he gives the unit full rerolls <laughs> to hit. So full rerolls to hit. I'm overwatching full rerolls to hit. I'm coming in from deep strike full rerolls to hit. Uh, I hit you in melee full rerolls to hit. It's just always full rerolls to hit until you kill that unit once. Obviously the character dies, but he's just always giving full rerolls. And when you're Ballistic Skill 5 and you get full rerolls and you have Exploding 6s, I think the math turns out to be like hitting on 3s or hitting on like 
threes rerolling ones or something like that, essentially, to the, the same percentage. So you go from our, we're all costed appropriately for hitting on fives to now we are abusing that five mechanic with four rerolls. And then all of a sudden you spend one CP, now you're hitting on fours. And then you hit on fours with fours with full rerolls and six explode. That's over 100% hits. So when I come in with my demo charges and I get over 100% hit rate, it's going to hurt. <laughs> that um, is, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. When you, that's exactly what I was looking for. Like that's such a, I mean, that just cuts right to it when it comes to the strength of that unit and that, and that, a leader there so and, and then on top of that sorry he also no. gives a redeploy so i have three uh one primes gives three redeploys i mean it happens before first turn so it's not busted uh, like it could be but it gives a full re- uh, four rules and then three full redeploys so it's also nice so you can put more into deep strike if you want or readjust stuff on the field um, so it's also showing that's just like a, a thing that no one even takes him for that they just go oh i also have this nice buff and he hits not great in melee, but he's nothing. He's not a wimp. Like he can kill a couple, you know, uh, weak like marines or something. Like he's definitely killed a marine or two in melee, so he can definitely do something in melee. Right. No, that sounds powerful. And and I I think overall in tenth edition, I I'm finding less rerolls, especially all rerolls, <laughs> and um, like that's why Oath of Moment to me was like, oh wow, Oath of Moment's kind of crazy. Um, for for the space marines and then but now you have it on on these guys and they're they're popping off because uh, you know correct me if i'm wrong here yeah you know, i play orcs so the you know i shoot and i i hit on fives but the way they make up for that is with a ton of shooting like their their shooting profiles are very high in number so when you when you lower that number that ballistic skill it can get out of control really fast because you're you're landing so many shots yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how we are too. We also follow that same mantra almost. Like our demo charges are D six plus three blasts, so we get a bunch of shots, and it's ballistic skill five. So it's kind of like orc shooting. But what if I was like, you're really good at orc shooting now, it hits on threes or hits on twos, and you're like, oh, this is gonna start to hurt. Just kind of like when um, buggy's fam was really strong in ninth edition. It, yeah, buggy's shot a lot, but some of them had like ballistic skill four or ballistic skill three. So they're hitting a lot more than Blissic Seal 5. And, and in ninth edition, <laughs> pre, uh, they, they had to change the uh, firing without line of sight because of how how strong that orc list was um, for a while. I mean, they were dominating for a minute because they would just shoot everybody off the board um, and you couldn't even see them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, th- thanks for breaking that down for me. Um I appreciate that. You had a, another part to your question I didn't get to answer yet. I, I can go to that. It's uh, what would I like fix or like make better? Um, yeah, are... like yeah, yeah. What would you remedy? Like, how would you fix it? Yeah, there are there are some models or units in our army that I actually think need to get better. Um, they don't actually serve a purpose, but I think some of them are also not good because the meta of where it's at. Um, I want to try to run trucks and I want to try to run rock grinders. I think this would be fun, but I think since there's so much anti-tank going around and like just knights in general that they wouldn't last to do anything. Uh, I think they would just die uh, the moment I like try to do anything with them. So that's why I don't want to really run trucks or, or rock grinders right now. But I would like to try list. I'd like to try to do other things. But I feel like GSC, even though it's so powerful, it's still pigeonholed into very specific like three or four models. I mean, our range isn't that great, but I feel like we're just pigeonholed into spam acolytes or spam neophytes based on what your preference is. 
and you don't want to take like gene sealers, like pure strains. They're not great. Um, I tried them. They don't def. They do not hit nearly as hard as you think they're going to hit, especially when you have to take a patriarch, and the patriarch has to be your warlord. So the gene sealers are good because you have like a really good turn one threat. But when you have to have the patriarch, which is your warlord, also go in there turn one, you're getting rid of your warlord almost immediately because he's going to die. Um, so it's not good in certain cases because there's like like you go into knights now your warlord's dead turn one knights have a five up field no pain for the rest of the game or you don't and now you just have this useless character that you have to hide all game that's not going to do anything except be a detriment because if he dies now the knights have a five up field no pain and he can only be good in melee um so i i feel like that needs to be fixed uh calamorphs are just i feel like absolute garbage Locuses still aren't great currently. Metamorphs, I feel like, don't really do a thing still. Um, and just a couple of the other characters. With with having so many characters, I feel like some of them are just very miss. Magus is a good one, too. Magus doesn't do anything um, worth taking. So I feel like there's a couple characters that need to be buffed. But other than that, the other ones that you see multiple, those need to be nerfed or just limited to one. Got it. Got it. Yeah, so... The limiting to one is is interesting. I don't think you're the first person I've heard say say like, "Hey, you know, maybe taking multiples of the same is going to be a problem." So yeah, in I I was kind of thinking that too when they announced it. I was like, you know, I think people can end up abusing this, and I, I, I they'll they'll find a way to 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 make it competitive for everybody. But I'm sure um, they will. Yeah. So, um, kind of on the same topic or note of that what's your what do you think your best matchup and your worst matchup is uh the so it's hard to say still um because i'm still kind of like learning all the other armies as i play i'm like that game the this tournament that was my at the end i played 11 games of 10th edition total so that was that tournament was I went to an rtt before and i played two practice games before that so that's all i have in all of 10th edition Everything else is like theory crafting. Um, the list I made was after my first playtest game. I played a couple stuff and I was like, all right, this sucks. This is good. This sucks. This is good. Let's just make it all around this stuff. And so I've been practicing that since my second game, um, which is what I brought uh, to LSO, which obviously was was fine. And uh, the only thing I obviously GSC, I did two GSC GSC mirrors, um, which obviously is hard because now I'm, I guess I am playing probably one of the best armies in the game, but now I'm also playing into the other best army in the game, which is the same faction, um, which I feel like counters itself pretty well because it also has really good deep strike, and I feel like deep striking your deep strike stuff is pretty good. Um, it also has mass fire, which kills our mass fire guys, so they they pretty much counter each other pretty well. Um, the only differences in lists was the first GSC opponent I took; he had bikes. And then the second GSC opponent I had had vehicles. And so they were slightly different in those uh, issues. And so I just tried to use that to my advantage. But that was a hard matchup. I feel like both GSC matches are hard. Um, Knights are kind of hard if they have like double Crusader. Uh, That gets kind of weird um, into that matchup. And that's pretty much all I've had. Anything that's been close. Everything else has just kind of been... Like, I just do stuff and I, I end up winning uh, without having to put much thought into it, which is unfortunate. The uh, Custode game was actually kind of uh, close in the beginning, but they just don't have enough uh, 
power to keep going. So he had me on my back foot like immediately if you watch the game on stream. Um, and probably after turn two, he started running out of steam. And if he could have just kept it going for like maybe half a turn more, he would have easily beaten me uh, with his strategy. Like he did really well in his play in the first two turns, but he just kind of ran out of power. And that was why I was able to come back. Uh, so that was that was also a tough game. Um, but I think if I played it again, I would play it a little bit different and it wouldn't be as close. So I think like Double Crusader Knight. Um, I don't think Eldar is good into GSC. I think we beat Eldar pretty easily. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other matchups I've been playing, but the 10 Desolator Marines isn't very good in my list. Um, I've been trying to counter. I haven't played T-Suns yet. I think T-Suns, people have been saying, is pretty good into us, but I haven't actually played into them. Um, that's that's everything I can think of. Everything else is like probably mid to low tier armies. I feel like if some of those armies got buffed, they'd be a lot better into us, but they're just kind of, kind of garbage right now, so they're not that great. Did you, uh, did you crush that World Eaters army? Yeah, yeah it wasn't necessarily his fault um he was also a new player but like like world leaders has literally nothing you can do like he didn't touch anything the whole game i just came in i just took everything off the, the field um like angron charged 20 neophytes and killed like 10 of them because he doesn't <laughs> even have he doesn't even have enough attacks to kill 20 neophytes like literally if he hits perfectly and kills everything he can't kill 20 neophytes um and then so there's just literally nothing he could do um, which is unfortunate because like that's not fair for that army that I can do that and he can't outplay me in any way I feel like yeah so it's... sometimes I wonder what they're thinking when they have a demon primarch be like that. I don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, yeah that that confuses me sometimes but it, again I hopefully they get on top of it so because <laughs> I think that I think that army I asked about that because I think that army is really really cool but I don't think they're doing very well at all so no they are definitely low tier i feel like um and then he i the next game after he played me he had to play his brother which was unfortunate for him so they drove all the way out there just to play his brother round two um and then that's the last time i saw him so i don't know how he did after that but i'll have to i'll have to check it out yeah that's, that's, that's <laughs> like a, drives all the way to a tournament and plays a guy who plays the all the time yeah <laughs> That's, that's what they were saying. They're like, come on. What are the <laughs> chances? Like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so I think you kind of touched on it already. So if you, if you say the same thing again, that's okay. But when, when you came, you're, you're prepping for the Lone Star Open. You only have a handful of games uh, with Gene Steeler so far. So when you're, when you're constructing your list, what, what were you focusing on? Were you focusing on getting those rerolls out there? And then like based off of what you thought about before when you were making it how do you think you performed when it actually came time to play did you did your uh, strategy come out and like work the way you wanted it to yeah i think the only time where i didn't have any strategy going into was against the mirror and i just was like i like came up with ideas and i was like i don't know what to do it was kind of like a, a chess game where i was like i can make a move in my head but i can't counter his counter because i have no idea what i would do to counter this to begin with there's like six things i could do so I just felt like even thinking about it when I went to bed that night, because I had a game four, so I just thought about it all night. I was like, it's just going to be a complete, like, I'm going to shoot from the hip the whole game and just see what happens. And then the same thing happened in my sixth game when I went against it. So my, the GSC meta, I had no idea. I didn't even prep for it. I just kind of like thought about some stuff. And I was like, maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. We'll just see how it goes. Um, 
but for all the other lists, it's pretty much a very basic game plan. Um, I start the, on the board two units mostly. It's my unit of Aberrance, and then my home objective unit with the Nexus, and then three Ridge Runners and a Saboteur. And that's pretty much what I start on the board all the time. I'll sometimes start another unit um, if they have like a a deep strikey type of list or something I'm scared of if they get turn one. So I can't uh, screen out as good as I could if I went first. Uh, and I'll start the Calamitous uh, unit on as well. And so I'll have two units on. And then everything else is in deep strike. And I pretty much just figured out what I want to do. I don't want to, The only reason I didn't go more uh, Acolytes with demo charges is I like to have more CP available for other stuff rather than having to worry about spending one CP turn two and turn three on getting those demos in. And also I don't like after they shoot their demos, they're not as useful at blipping, which is like when they're in their blip and they, they respawn, they don't really do anything when they come back that turn um, where Neos will, they'll have a pretty good shot because you can string them all the way out. And now they're nine inches away from the target you want to shoot. And then you're going to get a full, like good shooting shot with them with their, they're, they're good guns where the acolytes won't do that. So that's why like I prefer neophytes over acolytes. Um, but I did bring one neophyte bomb or acolyte bomb because acolytes are just they hit some things so hard. Like the custode brick is it's there for that. It's there to kill like a single knight if I need it. It's there to kill uh, mathematically it can pretty much kill a whole Necron warrior unit in one go. Um, or like a Lich Guard unit can. So it, it can hit way, way above what it needs to. That's why I brought one, just to, to be that piece of tool that I might need. But other than that, I just brought Neos. And so my whole game plan was about just how can I flood the board with bodies? And then how can I make sure I have enough guns that can deal with any type of threat? Because the only type of threat that is too strong for my Strength 6 Seismic Cannons are going to be like Knights or like a Land Raider or something like that. So I'm not too worried about having to have too much Strength 12 guns that I need. And then I brought the Aberrants as like, kind of like a distraction card effects. Um, so I can just push them up on the board. They sit in the, in the middle. And if people want to come to the middle, now they have to deal with 10 Aberrants. And 10 Aberrants can take a hit and also dish it out. And then on a four up, they come back, which never happened once in that entire tournament, um, except game six. But it was against GSC and Aberrants aren't that great in the GSC. So it didn't really matter. Um, so I use that. I push it forward. They'll shoot at it. I'll make it lone op. So now they have to come closer. And then they'll usually shoot at something else. And if they shoot at my home field objective, I can make that lone up for free. So they're, they don't really have many targets. Turn one. Turn two, I drop in. And then now they're overwhelmed. So now all my stuff that initially was being scared of being shot at, now all their focus is on my respawning neophytes. And so that pulls up pressure off of like my home objective unit and my uh, aberrants. And so the aberrants can kind of just like skirmish in the center board where they're not really so afraid of them because they aren't really doing anything kind of that makes sense. They're they're just doing mission control and like holding in the center and everyone focuses on the neophytes because those are what's pumping out all the damage. And so they focus to them and I don't care if they die because they just come back. Um, and so that, that's pretty much how my game plan was in every single game and it worked out. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, thanks for breaking that down for me. Yeah, lone operative, I think, is got to be... I think there's a handful, three three things that I think is the best thing so far that I, I'm seeing a recurring 
in multiple lists in 10th edition so far, and that is um, full rerolls, yeah. um, loan operative, and then redeploy, like the uh, Calidus Assassin. That thing is on every Imperium list that could possibly take it <laughs> because it can hop in and out anywhere it wants, whenever it wants, as long as it's not in combat and well, it's still an operative. <laughs> it also has a VEC too. I think that's a huge issue. Oh yeah. And, and yes, that too. And I, I keep forgetting that, but that is a great ability. And that's like, because yeah. CP is <laughs> so valuable. So, and yeah. I'm imagining that I haven't looked at any Tyranids list yet, but I'm imagining that the Swarm Lord is in every list for that exact reason. So. Yeah, I, I make sure to always have Vect in my army as well, so it's it's really strong. Oh, I didn't know that Gene Sealer had that. So you, you have a way to give some make a uh, increase the CP cost of a stratagem. Yep. Uh, oh wow! It's, it's an enhancement, so you can give it to anyone you want, any character. Is it once per game or is it uh, once yeah. per turn? Okay, it's just it. once per game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's a great ability. It's a great ability. Yep. So it makes them really think about using that command reroll and. Uh, and then obviously they're more valuable ones, but I, I love seeing it used on when somebody has a clutch, like they really need something to go off and they're, they're thinking about command rerolling, but they're like, dude, this is going to be screwed for the rest of the game if I do that. So <laughs> uh, I almost, I don't think I've ever used it on command reroll. I've used really? it. Yeah. I've used it on um, Overwatch maybe twice, but usually every army has like a, a strat that they build around. And I just, right. I do that one. So like the custodes one was the, the two CP minus one damage, um, so now it's three CP, which is huge because now they have to wait two and a half turns to be able to use a strat, which is yeah. not fun. No. Um, rotate. Um, I like to use it on armor contempt. I like to use it on a lot of defensive stuff. Um, I think it's because when I bring stuff in, I would like to be statistically average of what I expect my army to do to kill you. And if you pop defense strats, then you reduce the statistics so it's harder for me to gauge and so if i could just vec that so you don't do it anymore then i can play around in my head more of my strategy and it works out a lot easier rather than like if you're going to you know make a nine inch charge um that's unlikely and if you cp roll it yeah but that that's just how the game goes and i don't want to play around that where rather than something i could um influence more than just like a random dice roll i guess yeah and i I hear you on that. Um, yeah, the, uh, the rolling average thing, just a funny thing that made me think of when I, when I am uh, not doing well in a game <laughs> and I, and I finally, you know, I just make 10 attacks and only I'm hitting on a two up and I only hit with two of them or something like that. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll always say like, yeah, that's about average. That's how, you know, I'm salty. <laughs> if we ever play a game and you hear me say, yeah, that's about average. That's how, you know, I'm mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, I mean, that happens to everyone, right? Yep. <laughs> that's the game, man. That's Warhammer. So, yep. <laughs> well, um, yeah, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I think I got it. I mean, thanks for sharing your army and the strategy and stuff like that. I, I got a good glimpse of what the gene stealers look like. So, and uh, overall, like just, as we wrap up was the event awesome did you have a great time uh, yeah the event was uh pretty good i think like um this is a little bit picking it was only it was kind of crappy that they only gave out one ticket um because all the other events i've gone to you have given out two tickets for the gw uh thing but oh the world championship ticket. yeah they only had one ticket i think they're doing that this year like because uh, the tacoma open they only gave one out as well 
Yeah. And I think that I was reading the Palm Springs open and they only did one for Palm Springs. So it's really weird. Um, Cause we had a couple of local events. They gave out two tickets um, th- and they're this, just this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, so it's weird. yeah, that's interesting. So I wonder if they just, I don't, I, I don't know what goes into that, but um, I wonder if there's just a certain number and they, it's a lottery or something. I don't know. So yeah. Where is that, that tournament taking place? Do you know? Not a hundred percent sure. No, I, I, I haven't looked it up yet. So yeah. Um, well, great. Are you, would you go to it if you got a ticket? Uh, probably. I'll probably, I mean, there's a couple other tournaments that are happening in uh, Texas. And so we'll see how bad GSC gets nerfed uh, next month, which, or I guess in two months, cause it's not August yet, but I, I think they're going to get nerfed pretty hard in September. Uh, that's when the next patch or update is supposed to come out. I mean, oh, we're supposed to get the FAQ um, in like two weeks. I think they said that that's just a like a rules clarification, not like a a balance update. So right. hopefully, um, when that nerf comes out, I'm not too bad, and I can still like do well. But regardless, fingers crossed, it's not it's not something crazy. So that's yeah, never I'm, fun. So yeah, I'll still be playing them regardless because I've been playing them um, forever. But we'll see. They're your army, so yep. that's that's cool. So, uh, well, th- th- thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And maybe in the future, we'll talk again. And um, best of luck to you and your, your future tournaments. And um, yeah, take care. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so thanks once again, Eric. If you're listening to this, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, hopefully, I'll have you back as a first place winner here soon. So yeah, let, uh, let's wrap it up. We're going to talk real quick just about the Palm Springs Open, just because just it was such another big event. And then... Uh, We'll talk about what's coming up next week. So Palm Springs Open, um, not as big as the Lone Star Open, but you know they still had 111 players. It was six rounds, and uh, this one we had a first place winner of Tyranids, uh, second place Eldari, uh, third place Necrons, fourth place Chaos Demons, fifth place Eldari, sixth place Gene Stealer Colts, seventh place Chaos Space Marines, eighth place Eldari. Ninth place, Blood Angels with the Gladius Task Force. Uh, 10th place, Tyranids. 11th place, Admech. What? And 12th place, Chaos Demon. So yeah, we actually had two armies in this top 10 that uh, are not considered very good right now. So good for those players. That's awesome. Um, there was also a GT in Auckland, New Zealand, where Eldari went uh, 7-0, and 5-2, 5-1, um, and 5-1. And 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 they took, uh, and then Gene Steeler's, took fifth and Aldari took sixth. So um, another one, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. You had Gene Steelers in first, Chaos in second, Chaos Space Marines in second, three Aldaris, three, four, and five, um, Chaos Demons and Necrons. So you can see these lists are just completely dominated by uh, Gene Steeler Colts and Eldari with the sprinkling of, you know, Custodes, Knights, Necrons, maybe some Tyranids every once in a while, and Chaos Demons. So um, you can really see who's who's dominating right now. So we'll see what Games Workshop has in store for those those factions as we move forward. But for now, you know, when you're preparing for a tournament, I would prepare to fight those two armies and find a, find try to find a way to beat them because uh, you're probably going to run into them a lot, a lot. And just because it's so cool that someone that you know isn't the measly 50 to 55 percent 
win ratio won a tournament. I gotta I gotta go over the Tyranids. So uh, Tyranids, the name of his uh, army was Gaunt Carpet. He came in first place in the Palm Springs Open. Um, his characters, he had a Death Leaper, he had a Hive Tyrant, and a Neuro Tyrant. So I'm actually really, really surprised not to see Swarmlord here because I think Swarmlord is so good right now. Um, his battle line were Hormigants, a unit of 20. <laughs> Termigants, a unit of 20. Termigants, a unit of 20. Termagants, a unit of 20. Termagants, a unit of 20. Termagants, a unit of 20. He then had some Biovores, which of course Biovores are completely broken right now with their Spore Mine launchers. You gotta take them. Um, I'm a little worried that Game Workshop is gonna like change the Biovores before they fix these other armies, but this is a legitimate big, big problem. Not just like, a, like Eldari and... Gene Sealers, like their codex is too strong as a whole. This is just a singular thing that the Tyranids have that just they didn't think through. So it's an easy, easy fix. But I would much rather see stronger stronger armies get fixed first. Um, a Lictor, a Maliceptor, a Maliceptor, some Neurogaunts, uh, 20 of them. Uh, Venom Thropes, which are awesome, and Zone Thropes. So, he, dude... 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120 Hormagon and Turnagons running around. This guy has 120, 140, over 150 models running around on the board. Just, that's a lot of stuff. So don't make a mistake against that or you're going to get completely overwhelmed. I'm guessing that's his strategy. Just, just the swarm coming to get you, dude. I love it. So makes me happy to see, um, to see somebody win that. So that yeah, that's just a really brief overview of the Palm Springs Open. I'll uh, I'll make sure to include some lists in the links below. Um, I'll have a list of the top performers from Lone Star Open and a couple of lists from the Palm Springs Open. Make sure to link Meta Monday, Goonhammer Stats, and War Games Live because I did pull from a lot of their content. Um, so you know, make sure you thank them for what they do, um, and I'll make sure to 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 have those links below um, next week. We're going to have some more gaming. So let's uh, check out where the tournaments are happening next week. Yeah, it looks like we have the Capital Clash Summer Tournament. It's going to have 67 out of 80 checked in right now. Um, and then we have the ATC American Team Championship 40K event. This says it has 365 players at it. That's insane. What else do we got here? We got a North and South GT with 60 players, uh, Ropicon, 47 players, Petersboro Slam GT, 34 players, the Bemble Clash with 40 players. What else do we got? We have the Northeast Open with 81 players. Got some big tournaments coming up. So the rest of them look smaller. I probably missed one, but I'm excited. Oh, here we go. The HWP July Grain of Salt RTT 33. That's not a GT. That's only three rounds. So we got a bunch of GT formatted tournaments coming up this next weekend. I'll uh, figure out which one I'm going to check out. But if there's one with 365 players, we're, we're going to check that one out. Um, so, yeah, look forward to those posts on Reddit. Um, I'll be making them as the events carry on. And then I'll do a final one after the events are done. And then I'll do my podcast. 
All right, that is it for this week, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to Just the Facts 40K, a uh, Warhammer competitive podcast. Make sure you check out the links below to follow my socials. I'll be on Twitter, Instagram, threads, and then uh, you can follow my Reddit account where I'm probably the most active, and I'll be doing my posts weekly on the competitive scene. Uh, Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and I will see you next time.